Welcome everybody to week eight of Step by Step. Wow, week eight. We, we've been in this series for a long time. Two months is a long time. I don't know if that's because time flies when you're going through a global pandemic or maybe I'm just beating a dead horse. I don't, not really sure, but we are got just another week or two in this series and I'm so glad that you're joining us. For those of you who are new or you've just been away for quite a while. What we're doing in this series is we're exploring how to develop daily habits that deepen our faith. Because as we've discovered, our faith is not about a few big steps or choices. It's actually about those dozens, if not hundreds, of daily little decisions. Choices that daily either move me closer to Jesus or further away from him. Because it is those choices that truly change everything in my life. And so what I want to do today is kind of pick up where we left off last week, focusing on this issue of serving, developing the daily habit of serving God by serving others. And to help us do that, I want to begin with a question for you, something for you to consider. And it's this, what makes you the way that you are? Why are you the way that you are? Why do you think and act the way that you think and act? Why is it that you feel the way you feel and tend to respond the way that you respond? Why is it that there's some things you can just do with ease, and then there are some things that no matter how hard you work, you never quite can become good at it? You know, scientists wrestled with these questions for centuries back in the day, this uh, nature versus nurture, right? Are we the way we are because of our genetics, our, you know, inborn with us, or is it our environment, the things around us. And I was reading this week, they did some experiments back in the 40s and 50s and 60s with twins, identical twins who were separated at birth. They, they had the same nature, but they had very different nurture. And the results, of course, are that it's not either or, it's both and. We are the product of both our nature and our nurture. The traits that we're born with are part of what make us us, but also the experiences, the way that we're raised, the things that we go through, the culture that we grow up in, all of those things work to make us who we are. That answers the how question, how we got to be the way we are, but it doesn't really answer the why question. Why are we that way? See, that is not a question science can answer for us, but it is a question that God's word answers for us. Notice what the Bible says, Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's what? What's that word? His, His masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, not only are you created on purpose for a purpose, but you are uniquely shaped for that purpose. That's what the word masterpiece means. It's a unique, one-of-a-kind, handcrafted creation. 
We use that word most often to describe paintings like the Mona Lisa or statues like uh, uh, the statue of David. But what Paul wants us to understand in this verse is that we were not created to be masterpieces to hang out in a museum and be admired by others. We are to put that uniqueness to work in the street and in the lives of people around us. In other words, you are shaped by God to serve God And you serve God best when you serve others. And so the more that you know your unique shape, the more you can discover the ways and the places that God has called you to serve. So what I want to do for just the next few minutes is I want to look at the five key parts of your shape. The five unique things about you that God uses. And these five keys actually spell out the word shape. I don't know how that happened. It's a miracle. No, it's a preacher trick. We do these things to help us remember. But there are five things that are a part of your God-given shape that he wants to use to help you serve him by serving others. So let's jump in. The S in my shape are my spiritual gifts. My spiritual gifts, they are a part of who God created me to be. The Bible says that when you become a Christ follower, God puts his spirit in you, his Holy Spirit. He fills you with that spirit and his spirit not only gives you access to God's presence and God's power in your life, but it also gives you some special God given gifts. Notice 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Most of you have more than one. So you think, what are these? What are they like magical gifts? What are these spiritual gifts? These are special God-empowered abilities to help you serve others. There are about 20 plus unique spiritual gifts referred to in the New Testament. The two most comprehensive lists are found in the book of Romans and in the book of 1 Corinthians. And I put the references on your outline there because if you've never looked through, you don't know what the spiritual gifts are, I would encourage you to go and look at those passages maybe this afternoon or sometime this week. And when you do, what you'll discover about these gifts is that they range from the seemingly ordinary things like the gift of administration or the gift of leadership or the gift of hospitality all the way up to the very outward supernatural gifts like prophecy and tongues and healings. But all of those variety of gifts have one thing in common. They are all supernatural because they are all given to us by God's Spirit in us. Even the ones that seem like just talents and abilities and natural born things are spiritual gifts. I'll give you an example. One of my spiritual gifts is leadership. Now, leadership can also be a natural born ability. Some people are born leaders. I'm just telling you, I ain't one of them. 
If you go back and look at my report cards and the notes my teachers wrote when I was in elementary school and in high school, nowhere will you find a teacher who said Philip is a natural born leader. What you will find is Philip is a natural born follower. Philip is a people pleaser because that's who I am naturally. And so what I'm saying is that any leadership that you see in me is as supernatural as someone prophesying or exercising the gift of healing. It's all from God, and it is for his glory and to help us help others. So how do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? Listen, there are all kinds of questionnaires, surveys, tools. There are a lot of great tools. In fact, I'm going to give you a resource today that will have these in it. And those are great. I'm not down on those things. Those are a great tool to help you know what your spiritual gifts are. But the easiest way to know it is just ask yourself this. What is it that I love to do, I do well, that helps others but requires me to depend on God to do it? Because if there's something you love to do, you're really good at it, and it helps others, but you need God, you can't depend on yourself to pull it off, that is probably a good indicator of what your spiritual gift is. And when you know your spiritual gifts or gifts, it is a clue to help you figure out where and how you are to serve. Right? It starts the S in our shape or our spiritual gifts. But the H in our shape is also our heart. Our heart. Your passions, your desires, your motivations. Like, have you ever noticed that there are some issues you care deeply about and some other equally important issues that you could care less about? Have you ever noticed how some things just light your fire and get you excited, and then there are other things you're just kind of like, ho-hum? Do you know why? Because that's how God made you. That's the heart he gave you. Notice what the Bible says, Philippians 2.13. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Did you see that? You care about the things you care about because God shaped your heart to care about those things. And unfortunately, too many times in the church as Christ followers, we allow those unique passions to divide us rather than unite us, right? Some of you are unbelievably passionate about global outreach and helping people in the third world. Some of you are way more passionate about helping people right here in our community. Some of you are super passionate about reaching lost people who are far from God with the hope of the gospel. Some of you care a whole lot about growing and developing the believers who are already here as a part of the church. And we look around, and if somebody's not passionate about what I'm passionate about, then I say, well, they're not a good Christian or they don't really care. No, God gave us these unique passions not to divide us, but so that his church could accomplish all the things that are on his heart because all those things are on his heart. You are who you are because of the spiritual gifts God has given you, because of the heart he's placed in you, and then the A in your shape, are your abilities. Your abilities. 
these skills and talents that you have, these things that you're really good at, but unlike spiritual gifts, these are things that you were either born with or that you learned to do over time, right? Some of you are unbelievably artistic. Some of us can't even draw a smiley face. Some of you are incredibly good with your hands. You're mechanically minded. You can work with wood. Some of us should never be allowed to touch a power tool, right? Some of you are great at running a business, starting a business. Some of you are great communicators. Some of you are great cooks. Some of you can decorate a house and a room without even having to think about it. And while these are natural abilities... They are still God-given. Great picture of this in the Old Testament. Shortly after Moses leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into the desert, as they're wandering, God calls Moses over and says, Look, I need you to build a tent, a tabernacle. I need you to build an ark of the covenant that I can, the Ten Commandments can go in, and I need you to build an altar. And if you read chapter 30 and chapter 31 of Exodus, the details that God gives Moses are unbelievable, right? It's down to this stone goes here, and this carving should go here. And I can imagine Moses, as God's talking, he's writing all these instructions down, you know, doing his drawings, getting his plan together. But I'm sure Moses is thinking, how in the world am I going to get this done? And I can imagine God saying, Moses, look, you are a great leader, but you stink as a craftsman, right? But I got a man. I got somebody that I've given these gifts to. My boy, Bezel El, he could do this stuff in his sleep. In fact, notice Exodus 31.3. God says, I have filled Bezel El with the Spirit of God and have given him skill ability and knowledge to do all kinds of work. You see that? God filled Bezel El with his spirit, and I'm sure Bezel El had some spiritual gifts, but he had some natural skills as well, and God said, we're gonna use them. Look, that's not just true for Bezel El. It's true for every one of us as followers of Jesus. So I wanna ask yourself two questions. First one, what are you good at? What are you just naturally able to do? What do you do really, really well? And then the second question is, where is that needed within my church family? Where is that needed within my community? Because wherever those two things meet, that is a great opportunity for God to use you to make an impact and the people and world around you. Like, you can imagine Bezel El, right? He is like ordinary dude. He's not Moses. He's not Joshua. He's just like the average dude. He's one of a million people wandering in the desert. And Moses shows up at his tent and says, Bezel El, I need you to carve the altar. I need you to put together the tent where God's presence is going to be. I need you to put together the Ark of the Covenant where my Ten Commandments are going to go. Can you imagine Bezalel carving this stuff and going, oh my gosh, 
God's going to do amazing things. I get to be a part of what God's doing. Well, let me tell you, God's doing miracles in and through his church called Cedar Creek every week. And you have skills and talents that God has given you. And it's time to be a part of something bigger than just your life. You are who you are because of your spiritual gifts, because of your heart, because of your ability, and the P in your shape is your personality. That's right. Your personality comes from God. Now, I know we all have personality. Some of you just a little extra. Some of you got just a little extra personality. That's for a whole nother series and a whole nother message. What is your personality? Have you ever thought about it? Could you define it? I'd look it up this week. And I discovered there's no uniform definition of personality. But all the definitions I saw came back to these three core things. How you think, how you feel, and how you act. That's at the heart of your personality. How you think, how you feel, how you act. How you interact with the world around you is what your personality is, right? Some of you are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Some of you are thinkers. You process. Some of us are feelers. We just go with how it feels. Some of you love a routine, doing it the same way over and over. Some of you love variety. Some of you love to work with teams to get stuff done. Some of you much prefer to work by yourselves. Whatever your personality is, God gave it to you because he wants to use it. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 6. It says, and there are different ways that God works through people, but it's the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do, and that includes our personality. And you see this with Jesus' disciples, right? I mean, Peter, he is an extroverted feeler. He's impulsive. He don't think, he just acts. John, on the other hand, is very soft, reflective, thoughtful, a deep thinker. Matthew is an introverted loner who loved to work with numbers, probably somewhere on the spectrum. And so when Jesus called them and transformed them, he didn't try to make Peter more like John or John more like Matthew. He made all of them more like himself, but he continued to work in and through their personalities. That impulsive extrovert Peter, who was always getting himself in trouble, on the day of Pentecost was able to stand up in the street and preach to thousands the message of the gospel. That was his personality redeemed by God. God wants to do that through your personality. I know this journey. We all look around and we want the personality of other people because we think if I could just be more like them, if I had more of that personality, look, God doesn't want to change your personality. He wants to redeem it and use it for his glory. Now, look, I'm not talking about using your personality type as an excuse to be a jerk. I'm not talking about saying, well, I'm introverted, so I'm just going to isolate and do nothing. No, I'm saying let God redeem your personality, transform you, and use it for his glory because your personality type will determine how and where your spiritual gifts and abilities are used, right? You're going to have two people, both with the spiritual gift of evangelism. 
which is a fancy way of saying they are very good. God has gifted them to be able to share the message of the gospel and the hope of Jesus with people who don't know him. But let's say one's an introvert, one's an extrovert. The extrovert probably is going to do that in groups of people. That might be the next Billy Graham. The introvert is going to do it in one-on-one conversations or very small groups. Same gift, different personality type. So here's your question. What's one way your personality type could help you better serve God by serving others? Where could your personality type be put to work for the kingdom of God. And then finally, number five, the E in our shape are our experiences. Our experiences, all the things that we've done, and yes, all the things that have been done to us. All the things that you've been through, both the good and the bad. All of those experiences are a part of why you are the way you are. Did you know that your life is experience? is as unique as your DNA. Not one other person on the planet has been through the same experiences in the same order and the same seasons of life the same way you have. You have unique experiences, and listen to me, while those experiences don't define you, God has used them to shape you, and he wants to use those experiences. You know what I've discovered? That in the same way God most often uses the difficult experiences to mold my character to be more like Jesus, in the same way it is often the difficult experiences of life that God most uses to help others around me. The Apostle Paul understood that. Man, his life story is like a one train wreck after the other. Talk about a tough life, you know, shipwrecked, imprisoned, snake bit, beaten multiple times. His story, you know, was one hardship after another. Paul understood going through painful circumstances, but he also understood that God was shaping him to help others. That's why he writes these words in 2 Corinthians 1.4. Says he, talking about God, he comforts us every time we have trouble. Why? So that when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort God gives us. You've heard me say this many times. Your most effective ministry will most often come out of your deepest pain. Who better to walk with somebody going through the pain of divorce than somebody who's walked that road? Who better to come alongside parents who've lost a child than parents who have lost a child? Who better to come along somebody who's struggling with the bondage of addiction than somebody who's fought that battle and in God's power has found freedom? I don't know the painful experiences you've been through and whatever they are, I want you to know I'm sorry for that pain, but I also want you to know that our God is a God of purpose and planning and he never wants to waste a thing. He will not waste the experiences of your life. But you got to stop hiding from it. You got to open up before God and before others. You got to let God heal you from those wounds so that he can use those scars to walk with others who have been wounded like you. God wants to use your shape, 
all of your shame. Now listen, I understand that I have unloaded a ton of information on you. I know you probably feel like you've been drinking from a fire hydrant. And so I just want to let you know, uh, there's a great little resource. It's just a little paperback book called Shape, Discovering Your Unique Purpose for Life. And for those of you that are watching online, we're putting a link to Amazon so you can get that book. For those of you that are in person, we're going to put that link on your app. It's probably popping up on your phone right now as I speak. But if you've never really wrestled with your shape, if you've never walked through that process, this is a simple, easy tool to help you really understand your shape and either affirm where you're serving now or help you take a next step in serving. If, if maybe you did this a long, long time ago, you might want to consider walking through it again because let's face it, our shapes change over time. And I don't just mean how wide we are, right? All of these things over time can begin to change. And so maybe there might be a new door, a new opportunity. I can tell you opportunities and needs in the church and out of the church are changing constantly. But, but here's the bottom line. If you don't get anything else out of today, get this. You can know everything there is to know about your shape, but if you don't plug in and serve and use it, we are just wasting time. We are just having an academic discussion. And so I want to close with these words of Jesus. He said them to his disciples after he had talked to them about the importance of serving, and then after he demonstrated it by getting on his knees and washing their filthy feet. And then he said these words, John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I thank you that there's not one person here, not one person watching online. There's not one person who is here by accident that you have a plan and a purpose, whoever we are, wherever we've been, whatever we've done or not done in our life, you want to use all of it to show your glory and to impact the people around us. I thank you that not one of us is illegitimate, that while there may be illegitimate parents, there are no illegitimate people because you work even through the brokenness of this world around us. But Father, I pray that we would do more than just say thank you for making me unique, but that we would seek to use that uniqueness to serve you by serving others. So Father, wherever we are on our faith journey, help each of us to make a choice today to take a next step in serving you. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.